Hi there, thanks for listening to Condensed Matter. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Just a quick message about the Patreon page. If you sign up at the level of £2 per episode or more, you'll instantly unlock PDF scripts of all of these solo episodes. This way you can really scrutinise my summaries and half-baked arguments. For just £1 per episode, you'll unlock PDF scripts of all future solo episodes. Patreon supporters can also recommend papers for me to discuss and guests for me to interview and will be the first to receive any new benefits. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to Condensed Matter, condensing recent work in metaphysics and the philosophy of science down to what matters. I'm your host, Sam Kinton Knight. focus of this episode is Modal Dispositionalism and Necessary Perfect Masks by Barbara Vetter and Ralph Buss, forthcoming in Analysis. Philosophers who work on the metaphysics of modality are concerned with, in virtue of what, it is the case that things could and could not have been different in certain respects. You're listening to this podcast episode right now, but you could have listened to a different podcast or done something else altogether, though there are limits on what else you could have done. You couldn't have possibly drawn a square circle, for example. According to one very influential view in the metaphysics of modality, possibility concerns other possible worlds. It is possible that you are listening to another podcast right now because there is some world in which you or someone very like you is listening to another podcast right now. And it's impossible that you are drawing a square circle right now because there is no world in which you draw or anyone like you draws a square circle. But this account of modality, i.e. possibility and necessity and related notions, in terms of possible worlds, raises various difficult questions. For example, questions about the nature of these worlds and their relevance to what is possible for us here in the actual world. Recently, a new view about the metaphysics of modality has been developed. According to modal dispositionalism, possibilities hold in virtue of the dispositions of things in this world. For example, The vase on my desk is disposed to shatter, it's fragile, and it's in virtue of this disposition of the vase that it is possible that the vase shatters. Dispositions are to be understood very broadly, so for example, it's also the case that you have a disposition to listen to another podcast or read a book or even run a marathon instead of listening to this podcast, and this is why it's possible that you listen to another podcast or did something else altogether. However, there is no disposition of you or of anything else for you to draw a square circle, and this is why, according to modal dispositionalism, it is not possible that you drew a square circle. Roughly speaking, then, modal dispositionalism accounts for possibility and necessity as follows. It says that it is possible that P, if and only if something has had or will have a disposition for it to be the case that P, and it is necessary that P, if and only if nothing has had or will have a disposition for it to be the case that not P. Modal dispositionalism is attractive because it does not appeal to any such strange entities as possible worlds in its account of modality, and it respects the intuitive idea that it's the properties of things that account for what those things can and cannot possibly do. In this paper, Vetter and Buss argue that there is a deep structural problem for modal dispositionalism, a problem that challenges the sufficiency of an account of modality in terms of dispositions 
because it admits the possibility of cases in which there is a disposition present, but no corresponding possibility. The problem cases that Vetter and Buss discuss are cases of what they call necessary perfect masks. These are cases in which something, call it A, has a disposition for some outcome, call the outcome phi, so A has a disposition to phi. However, there also exists a perfect mask, some condition Q, which is such that neither A nor anything else has a disposition for A to phi while Q. Finally, the presence of the mask is necessary, so nothing has a disposition for it to be the case that Q does not obtain. The problem, then, is that this yields a contradiction. From the fact that A has a disposition to phi, it follows from modal dispositionalism that it is possible that phi obtains. But the necessary existence of the perfect mask implies that it's not possible that phi obtains. So that's a rough sketch of the broad structure of the issue, but Vetter and Buss offer some helpful examples to illustrate the point, one of which I'll discuss now. Assume that determinism is true. What this means is that given a previous total state of the universe, the initial conditions for example, which we can call S, and the laws of nature, call these L, all future states of the universe follow necessarily. Determinism may render the state of the universe and the laws of nature a perfect mask for certain dispositions. So while some person, John, may have a disposition to sing, it may also be the case that John does not have a disposition to sing while the previous state of the universe S and the laws of nature L hold. The idea then is that a deterministic universe may conspire to always get in the way of John's singing, because there just is no future state consistent with S and L in which John sings. What's more, some dispositionalists may have to take this perfect mask to be necessary. Modal dispositionalism is a close ally of an account of the laws of nature called dispositional essentialism, which renders the laws necessary because it says that they hold in virtue of property essences, and it has been argued in the modal dispositionalist literature that the initial state of the universe is necessary. So, while it is possible that John sings because he has a disposition to sing, there is some plausibility to the claim that there could in fact be a necessary perfect mask to his singing, which renders it impossible that John sings, and so modal dispositionalism risks flat contradiction. Now, Vetter and Buss concede that the modal dispositionalist could reject certain premises in the previous argument. They could reject determinism, for example, or the necessity of the laws or initial state of the universe, but the concern is that to reject premises piecemeal like this is not to respond to the broad structural problem for modal dispositionalism, and so the worry is that new counterexamples will just pop up. Furthermore, if it is at least possible that some necessary perfect mask obtains, then the truth of modal dispositionalism would be merely contingent, which is an unstable position for an account of the metaphysics of modality. How then might the modal dispositionalist respond to the broad structural problem and thus eliminate the possibility of new problem scenarios being cooked up? One might be tempted to adapt the definition of possibility as follows. It's possible that P, if and only if something has had or will have, a disposition for it to be the case that P, for which there exists no necessary perfect mask. The problem with this fix is that it makes possibility a matter of how things are with the whole universe. It requires that there be nothing anywhere in the universe that will be a necessary perfect mask for the disposition in question. And this goes against the original modal dispositionalist aim of accounting for modality locally in terms of properties of individuals and not the entire universe. Vetter and Buss also argue that including the condition that necessary perfect masks are absent risks making the defined notion of possibility fail to conform to the logic to which we think the possibility operator 
ought to conform. More simply, one may worry that it really still is possible that John sings, in the broadest sense of possible, even if determinism is true and the laws and initial conditions are necessary and prevent his singing, i.e. if there is a necessary perfect mask to John's disposition to sing. Another response, then, is to maintain that when a necessary perfect mask is present, as in the determinism case, there really is no masked disposition present after all. So John just does not have the disposition to sing in the example discussed. But again, this threatens the locality of modal dispositionalism because an individual's dispositions are no longer a matter of how things are with the individual, but a matter of how things are with the entire universe. John's disposition to sing does not concern just John himself, but the entire universe, and this seems odd and antithetical to the modal dispositionalist project to provide a bottom-up explanation of modality in terms of the local dispositions of individuals. Finally, one might respond that dispositions are local and exclude necessary perfect masks. In the determinism example, then, this would amount to maintaining that John's intrinsic disposition to sing precludes the combination of determinism and necessary laws and initial conditions that get in the way of his singing. The problem now is that instead of individual dispositions depending on the state of the entire universe, the state of the entire universe seems to depend on individual dispositions. How could such a local matter as John's disposition to sing have such universal impact? It seems difficult to say in a way that is plausible, or so Vetter and Buss argue. In short, then, Vetter and Buss argue that modal dispositionalism must either give up on the idea that dispositions and possibility are fundamentally a local matter, or face the threat of contradiction. I like modal dispositionalism. I think it's a commonsensical account of the metaphysics of modality that promises continuity with science and makes it possible that we can have modal knowledge. So this paper is concerning. But I am inclined to think of the key insight of modal dispositionalism as the idea that possibility is accounted for by how things in the world are, by the properties that they instantiate. I'm not sure that it's so important that we're able to map possibilities to particular dispositions of particular individuals in a one-to-one manner in the way that seems to be suggested by the locality requirement. Even if John's possible singing is not entirely a matter of how things are with John, it still requires cooperation from John and his properties. John's having certain properties seems like a necessary condition of his possibly singing at least, even if the possibility requires more besides, namely the cooperation of the rest of the universe. But crucially, it doesn't seem to follow that anything more is needed for the possibility than the appropriate interactions of individuals and their properties. Sacrificing locality understood as a one-to-one mapping of possibilities to dispositions doesn't mean that we need more than just the dispositions of individuals to account for possibility. So even if locality were sacrificed, I'm somewhat optimistic that modal dispositionalism can still retain many of its attractive features. Thanks for listening to Condensed Matter. Please rate and review the show on your favourite app so that more people can find it. There's also a link to the show's Patreon page in the episode notes. Your support will help towards the costs associated with hosting and production and will lead to improvements in your future listening experience. Patrons of the show will also get the chance to suggest articles and guests for future episodes. 